it's been solid. We we really we 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 want to have you back and hopefully let's do let's do a good movie next time. Yeah. Yes. Please. Welcome to the film room. Uh, we are joined, of course, today by Thomas. Hello. We still didn't. We still haven't had you on for a good film, man. We're sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're at sorry. This point, at this point, I'm kind of like the resident religious film expert on the show. <laughs> but the beauty of it is, you're on for the last one. Yes. Good. Because we want to make this clear. This is the last time that we are ever dealing with a religious film on this cast. And we will probably wind up breaking that, but seriously, this week, uh, the week that we're recording this, Pure Flix dated God's Not Dead 3. Uh-huh. We're not, we're not, we're Fuck not, that. we're not covering that. Fuck that. We're yeah. done, we're done. Unless we hear reviews that it's epically worse than the third, than the second movie, we're done. Yeah, instead of just like the same movie or just as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will have to be something. And that's just it. Religious films have kind of hit a wall. They've kind of hit a wall of, okay, like, are, is God's Not Dead 2 really that much worse than Heart of the Country? No. No. No, I really don't think it is. I think Heart of the Country was actually worse. Yeah, I think Heart of the Country was actually quite a bit worse. It was um, It was montage the movie, at least. God's Not yeah. Dead 2 had some semblance of A to B to C to D. Yeah, at least it, it had A plot. And plus, God's Not Dead 2 had Ray Weiss, so... You know, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that that man can help make anything watchable. That is his gift. <laughs> it is, which makes me sad because the two movies we we've, we've dealt with him on are The Killing Joke and uh, God's Not Dead Two. So, oh yeah, I we really I keep forgetting he's in The Killing Joke. Yeah, well, he's not in it very long, but still. Um, so it would take. It would take some very special circumstances for us to go on back into the genre. And that's the circumstances that we're in today because we have to pay homage one last time to a friend of the cast, a man whose work we admire, a man who unfortunately is no longer with us. Because we're not just saying goodbye to religious films today. We're saying goodbye to, to uh, the late, great Harold Bragsdale, who passed away on December 31st. Um, he died 
doing what he loved, huffing paint and glue. It was a combination paint and glue mixture, which caused his heart to stop. And also causes his uh, hotel room to catch fire. Yeah. yeah. Hotel room to catch fire. Pretty spectacular blaze, let me tell you. I've, I've seen the photos. It is just... That thing is cinders. It's amazing no one died. Uh, except for him. <laughs> yeah. Except for him. But he'd already died. But he'd already died previously. So I'm just saying. True, uh, true. It's a true. fast moving fire. That stuff is flammable as hell. Harold leaves behind one hell of a resume. He leaves behind one hell of a record. And thankfully, he leaves behind one last great gift. No disrespect to him, but wow, talk about going out in a blaze of glory. This yeah. Is, wow. Because one last time, Harold had to make an exploitation film, and boy, did he come up with one hell of an exploitation film. Because we are covering the currently road showing around the country in limited release Easter Sunday. All three of us have had the chance to see it because um, Harold's estate was nice enough to send us screener copies. This thing is playing in like tiny theaters. I checked online. I think it's playing like Moralton, Arkansas. Uh, Clarksville, Arkansas, and Mountain Ridge, Arkansas are the only theaters that seem to have it right now. And it's slowly going to roadshow around the country in advance of uh, Easter. Uh, yeah, the, it's not playing the major uh, cinemas. Uh, from what I've read, Pure Flix, when they were offered the chance to distribute this film, used more profanities than you would expect <laughs> in their letters explaining why they wouldn't do it. Having seen the movie, I understand why. Yeah. This movie, yeah, it's not so much pure flicks as it was more pure fucks to give. Yeah, they even they were like, we're not, no, we're not. It takes a lot to get pure flicks to say no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, the amount of darns in their letter set my hair on fire. <laughs> wow, yes. Man, when, they bought, when they pulled out golly, no, in their letter, I knew, ooh boy, this is bad, because I've seen the letter. So many... <laughs> They even used criminy at one point. Oh, wow. That, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's explain, let's explain what, uh, this, what the background behind this movie, um, Harold was off given the offer by, uh, a group of investors who were wanting to do a low budget Christian film, you know, something similar to God's not dead and Valentine's day and mother's day. And, and they thought, okay, we need someone who knows how to shoot quickly, who knows how to shoot cheaply. And uh, one of them was a big, big, big fan of Peaceful Sunday. Or, or it was Peaceful Morning. Or I'm trying to think what the hell the name of that film was. The one about guy, the one, the one about the woolly sheep disease. Yeah, Peaceful Summer. Peaceful Summer was the movie, yeah. Had to think for a second. They were big fans of that movie, and they wanted to do something in that spirit. Unfortunately, they did do something in that spirit because they convinced Harold to do it. Now, it should be noted, Harold was an avowed, like, militant anti-religious. Not religious at all. Atheist is too soft for how he was. The man despised religion largely due to the fact that he blamed that culture for... um, making it so hard for him to uh, have his first marriage. Uh, he was married to a uh, black woman in uh, a, a time when that wasn't exactly thought of as a good thing. And so he experienced a lot of prejudice. So he, he bore the churches a lot of grievance. Hmm. And uh, so this movie was one that he put together. Um, 
he said, okay, I'm going to do it because he needed the money. And he also wanted one last shot at a film set. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. That was a mistake. Running a punishing two hours and 35 minutes. God, this movie is, this movie is too long by half, literally. It was, it was only two hours. It felt like four. It felt like four, but it was only two hours and 35 minutes. If I'm not mistaken, that's probably the same running length as Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, but this movie is weirder. In any in any number of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, this movie is weirder and less connected to reality than those. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying something. God. Yeah, it really is. This movie, good God. It, this movie was shot quickly in the summer of 2016, and, oh man, where do y'all even start with the plot synopsis? Can, like, either of you give me, like, even a vague overview of what, like, a one-sentence description of what the hell this movie is about? Um, everyone finds religion. Yeah, that that's kind of what I got out of it, because they all just show up at the church and, Jesus. yeah. Jesus, yeah, the, bro. Yeah, Jesus, bro. I cannot wait for that. That is going to be so good. But anyway, the, the, the idea that, yeah, the whole movie is set on the Saturday before uh, Easter Sunday. I can't the title. Right. And it's all leading up to the big sermon at the big church in the middle of town. And as usual, Harold has absolutely no idea about anything regarding anything in the real world. The movie that he made just bears absolutely no resemblance to reality. Um, it does, however, uh, bear some resemblance to uh, a few other religious movies, so he at least did some homework. Yeah, he watched those. He, you could tell he watched a bunch of those and then decided, oh, he was going to make his own, but try and make it absurd. The movie is divided into pretty neatly into like three major plots with a bunch of side supporting characters. I mean, he gets every cliche he could in here. He's got, um, a, you know, there's the wacky preacher played by, uh, the, uh, conservative comedian Ray Stevens, which boy, from, from everything I've read, boy, he was, he was a character on set. Um, very mm -hmm. diva like, very diva like apparently. Um, that kind of shows through. Yeah. 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 Though, uh, he and though he and Harold actually got along famously, uh, despite their wildly divergent political views, they had a lot in common. Hmm. Just a lot in common. So you've got the wacky preacher, you've got the sassy old black woman, and did anybody else notice anything funny about her? I'm I'm trying to remember because I like I watched it again last night, but it's somehow missing me. She's young. Oh. She's played by a really, really young woman. I think the actress was much younger than even I am. Ugh. But she was put in bad age makeup, but you could tell she was young. In fact, I looked up photos of the actress in advance of this, and um, she's actually, yeah, she's she's gorgeous. Um, but, uh, which, which makes one wonder why she was cast. Uh, but you've got the, you know, you've got her, you've got, all these, you know, the standard tropes, but but you've got three very central tropes that show up in this movie. You've got the workaholic father, you've got the uh, atheist who converts, 
and you've got the uh, vague attempt at uh, social relevance plot. Three key plots that you seem to see in a lot of these movies, ranging from the now on DVD voiceless to the, uh, you know, which is where you'll see the social plot. And which if you guys have not watched uh, Brad Jones review of that, oh, my God, you need to right now. All right. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. You need to watch that right now. You've got the uh, workaholic father plot, which you see in every single one of these movies, the father that learns the value of family, but especially in war room. And oh, then you've yeah. got, and then you've got the atheist who converts and man, I'm trying to even think of a movie that doesn't have that plot. Uh, but of course, God's not dead is the one that you see it the most. So those are your major plots that you've got. And uh, it's funny that it neatly divides into three sections like that. God, it's, it's almost as if Harold was thinking that, hey, these guys are going to be doing this and it might be fun to divide them out like that. You know, I don't know, maybe maybe an idea that he thought it might be fun for the cast. I don't know. I'm just throwing I'm just batting ideas around. So uh, so I, I have to ask you all. Who wants to go first in giving their thoughts on the plots? Uh, I would. Please do, because I want to hear your... Because we definitely decided that it would be most fun for each one of us to focus on one section of the plot. Yeah. This movie got this movie gave us such a headache that it was like, okay, in terms of taking notes, just take notes on one section of the plot. Yeah. yeah. D- divide up the duty. Besides, God, how many montages are there in this thing? At one point, there's a montage that literally includes just clips of previous montages. <laughs> yeah. A clip show of a clip show. And it's set to calliope music, no less. Yeah. I, d- I, d- <sighs> I don't fully understand that. I don't know. It's probably due to uh, Harold's past and uh, uh, he owned a theme park once, didn't he? He, uh, he did indeed. He did indeed buy yeah. a theme park, though... Largely to shut it down. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he's, it's probably leftovers from that, honestly. Gotta do something yeah. with all those used parts. Uh, but, oh yeah, he shut it down to make uh, the film we covered last year. That's right. Yeah. I remember now. I hate that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least it was sort of fun. This wasn't, mm-hmm. this can't even claim that. Um, oh, I don't know. I had fun watching this. I mean, it, it was slightly better than you might be a redneck the movie but uh i just oh god that movie that movie just made me feel dirty because i did finally double back and watch that it makes me feel dirty oh oh yeah it should make you feel dirty because why my oh god a diseased mind came up with that movie yes a thoroughly diseased mind oh let's hear your I want to hear your section of the story that you watched. Yeah, okay. And focused on and took notes on. So, um, mine is... It's based around two characters. It's based around uh, this beautiful woman, Hispanic lady named uh, Consuela Mesa. She's in her 20s, and she's an immigrant. And she comes to... It's not... I don't think he specifies what country she has escaped from yeah it's theoretically like mexico but it doesn't seem like he knew anything about mexico no specifically which is funny because i happen to know that he's he spent at least one year in the country yeah (laughs) 
But when you're high off your ass, you don't really pay much attention to the culture. No. Yeah, or you view it through, you know, the high off your ass filter. Yes, that is true. But yeah, her whole reason for coming here is stupid because she wants to buy a dress she once saw. And throughout the film, she's describing it to different people, at least three different people. And she describes it as like the most beautiful dress she's ever seen. And she goes into some detail about it, like it has flowers on it. It has like, uh, it's it's off-white. It, uh, and uh, it's like, oh, okay, well... Well, the kicker is she finally finds it in the end, and it's gaudy as hell. It really is. It, it really, it's it's like blinding. Yeah, like it, apparently off-white means like uh, trash color silver. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why, why would you, like, come into this country without going through the proper vetting just to get a dress that is ugly as sin? <laughs> I, I don't get it. I know. It don't. It doesn't exactly describe how she plans to pay for it, because you know she only has. Well, she has pesos on her, so I guess she's from Mexico. But yeah. still, that's the only clue we get. But anyway, so the other character involved is an ICE agent that is chasing her. This agent is bafflingly played by Wallace Shawn. Uh, really bafflingly cast. I mean, where the hell <laughs> was? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. He must have had some free time, honestly, because there's no other reason he'd be doing this. Kind of like know. how John Travolta is in like all all of these movies you've never heard of lately. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wallace Shawn is still doing like the Toy Story stuff, so it's not like he's hurting. Yeah. I mean, this is Rex. Yeah. But his plot is weird as hell. Yeah. He. Uh, so he's chasing her. And they have a weird, like, attraction to each other. Like, like you can tell the part was written for, like, a young, handsome man. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody, like, you can, you can almost tell this part was probably written for John Hamm. And when they couldn't get him, they got Wallace Shawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of a weird... It's not necessarily a downgrade, it's just a sideways grade. Yeah. Because, like, the first thing I, I think of would, in terms of, like, a hot, attractive man would be, you know who'd be great? The other half of my dinner with Andre. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. But everybody just swoons over him the whole movie. How? I don't know. Like, and he's, he's, he's not even... He's bald, too. Like, he's as bald as he was in The Princess Bride, and that was 30 years ago. <laughs> like, God. yeah, I, I don't understand, but no. And... There's only one word to describe it, uh -huh. and I think we all know what this one word is. Yes. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable! Yeah, it, it really is. But you're right, they have that weird flirtation going on. Tell me more about it. I want to <laughs> hear more about it. It's very awkward. It's like, uh, you know how in the in the Star Wars prequels, uh, you know how the relationship, like the budding relationship between Anakin and Amidala Padme. plays out? Yeah, Padme. Yeah. Um, it's more awkward than that. Oh. Yeah. It is more awkward than that. It's like he keeps... He keeps, like, 
like he's cha- he's trying to chase her. Like he, you know, it does the cliche where he has like a picture of her like at her wallet, at his wallet to sh- show to people. And uh, wouldn't he have it on his cell phone now? Yeah, he would, wouldn't he? But I mean, this is that <laughs> but kind somehow of movie. he got ran out. I guess. Um, God, and it's glossy too. So you know, he just had it professionally done. So I don't know what the hell that's about. Um, and gotta spend those ice dollars somehow, I guess. You know, he's he's chasing her, and at a couple points, he even like catches her. But it's so weird because they get no conversation. Like while he's while she's in the back of uh, his van and uh, his ice van, uh, and that winds up on them going to on the border for a date. This whole movie is is as if he saw out of sight and thought, I can do that too. And by the way, they went to On the Border for a date. <sighs> Even I don't do that. Harold, like... <laughs> Harold, no. No. <laughs> hey, rest in peace, but no. No. Everything about this character is weird and wrong and... You're right, they have that whole flirtation going on, but it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it just comes across as so tacky. Yeah. Like, it is. Just, just knowing Wallace Shawn and how old he is, and <laughs> it it's just really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's, he doesn't really try to play it as, you know, debonair, even though everybody kind of treats him. That way in well, the lines. He plays it like Wallace Shawn. He plays it like Wallace Shawn. I wish we had clips. <laughs> I, I wish know. Yeah. I know. That was part of the r- rule of us getting uh, the screener copy was we couldn't put clips in. We couldn't in. put clips in, yeah. Same as always. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But still. <sighs> so basically, yeah, they have that going on the entire... And it's not that many... It's, you know, and, and there's a lot going on in this film. And the film as a whole, they don't have that many scenes... But at the same time, like it, 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 I don't know. <laughs> these, these stood out. They stood out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the finale of the film is, uh, this church service, of course, you know, Easter Sunday. He's chasing her and she ends up running into this church. She kind of, she kind of hides among the congregation and, uh, Ice Agent chases after him. But, I don't know. I'm, Thinking, have any, have either of you seen the Robert Duvall film, The Apostle? No. No, I should have. There's a thing at the end of it, like, he's, uh, the whole plot of that is, uh, he's been, he's wanted for murder because he, he killed a man, I forgot, defending some, well, I, I forgot why, but, um, anyway, he killed a man. So, uh, you know, he goes and hides out in this little town where he builds a church. Like, up from nothing. Like, he literally builds a church. Yeah, there's a scene at the end of it where he's giving this service, and, you know, the police have found him, and they are standing by, like, just waiting for him to finish his service. I feel like Harold watched that, because the ICE agent does not, like, upon spotting her in the church, does not immediately, like, take her away and arrest her. He waits for the end of the service, for some reason. And, of course, course he ends up, uh... You know, of course, the sermon moves him, and he stops chasing her after that. And they, you know, fall in love and blah, 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 blah. 
Wow. <laughs> it's just so silly. You know, it's just it's so absurd. It's 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 ludicrous is what it is. And and there's no real sense of resolution. It's just no. oh, we're in love. We're in love. And and also the post the post uh or the epilogue to that little thing is well uh he convinces her to try to apply for like a green card and immigration sends her a letter that says, Oh well Upon investigation, we found that your father was actually born in the U.S., so surprise, you're a U.S. citizen. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, um, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, she was a princess all along trope. Right, uh, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> you can tell he was working out some serious grudges with, uh, uh, the way that the, uh, the way that our country handles race. You can yeah. tell he was working out some violent grudges there. There's that thread of the movie. Thomas, what was yep. your what was your thread that you focused on? Uh, the one that resonated with me the most was the uh, workaholic dad thread. Basically, it, it's the same old it's the same old shtick where the dad works too much and doesn't pay attention to his his family. So, this guy, the dad, Joseph Forte, who's played by Brendan Fraser. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's one thing for him to be cast and crash, and it's another for him to be cast again in a crash-esque movie. A movie that's not as bad as Crash, but not much better. Not much better. No. Yeah. And so, like he, like his wife Mary, who I, for the life of me, I cannot remember this actress's name because she was so damn bland, uh-huh. so forgettable. Yeah, like she barely had any lines a- yeah. at all. It, it's like the only, like the only times she actually spoke were about like her husband or her son, only about the male figure, and it's like. Uh, Harold, really? Come on, guy. this movie does not pass Bechdel, to say the least. Yeah. It, In fact, if there if there was an anti Bechdel, it would pack that pass that with flying colors. Yeah, and then like like this kid, uh, they they call him Froggy, which I guess is some kind of nickname. It, it's never quite specified, but this kid is clearly coded as autistic clearly coded because like he's like the whole the whole thread starts off with the dad microwaving some jimmy dean sandwiches and brewing some coffee on a saturday morning and you see froggy at at the table with his bowl of cereal aligned ever so properly and everything is in its right place and it's like where the hell have i seen that before oh yeah the accountant and other other films where it's like, oh, he's so he has to get everything God. so perfect, and like, please try to be original for once. Oh God, yeah, oh yeah, and so- and his main quirk is referring things to Bible verses, but they don't seem to make any sense. No, not only do they not make sense, they are incredibly inappropriate when when you do the research because like okay so dad and froggy are in the same room and froggy asks 
dead if his mom was like Song of Songs first chapter seven verse four. Which wow. reads, and I quote, Your breasts are like twin fawns, the young of a gazelle. <laughs> and he says it all in the very monotone voice that he talks like this. Yeah. And that just he's a He's not exactly shocked because he's used to him saying stuff in Bible verses, but he just gives him this look like, shut up, don't talk to mom, don't talk about my wife like that. And Froggy notices and he mutters Ezekiel 23.20 under his God, breath. That verse is all over this movie, by the way. Ezekiel 23.20? You see yes. it on signs, you see it on, I mean, it is, wow. it is all over the movie. And I, I've, I'm too lazy to look it up, so I have no idea I, what it don't, means. Don't worry, I, I, I made note of it. And it says, She lusted for the lectures of Egypt, whose members are like that of an ass, and whose heat is like that of stallion. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they're talking about dick size in a religious <laughs> film. <laughs> and the fact Herald. that he that the son is talking about this and how his mom has is clearly in the mood for some good old in out in out is like kid <laughs> no you're too young stop it the, nice uh, nice uh, clockwork burned reference there by the way thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah so like he he just says Ezekiel 2320 not not the verse but just like the the phrase and his mom just kind of looks at him and then at her husband with the confused face and then like, yeah, I don't final... get it either, but whatever. Isn't the final sermon supposed to be on that verse, though we never actually hear anything of the sermon? Like the whole movie kind of goes mute in regards to that sermon. Yeah, well, there's actually a good reason for that that I'll get to later on. I'll but... do tell. Yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, good old Brendan, uh, Brendan Fraser's like, hey, I'm going to be late this evening because of a very important client that, you know, he cannot miss out on. And so did the movie even say what his job was? No, but they he did list the client as Taka Poo Poo Incorporated, basically uh... kind of like a really bad pun of taking a shit in Japanese or some other oh, Asian thing. that's just thing. bad. That's just yeah. bad. Yeah. Subtle yeah, Herald. Not, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly specified what the dad does, although there's talk of, like, paperwork, so possibly, like, contract. Business, 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 business. Numbers. Business. Is this working? Yes. <laughs> and Keep in mind, this is the Saturday before Easter, so you would think that the dad would have some time off, but no, he he loves his job too much. He has to serve the the client and all that stuff, and so he tells Froggy that mom's going to watch him, and then Froggy's like, well, what about the Easter egg hunt that's today at church? Dad says, oh, I yeah, I... I can't take you, but mom will, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So that, and then it, it just kind of stops right there. And then, like, while this is go going on, you have 
you had uh, the the Wallace Shawn thread going on. Mm-hmm. But then when it when we get back to when we get to back to Froggy and friends, they're at the Easter egg hunt at, at the church, and so it it starts off with the uh, Mary going to walking over to talk to some of the other mothers, but he's also but she's also checking out some of the dads that brought their kids just kind of like staring at dad ass and and dad ass too (laughs) wow i never thought dad ass would be a phrase i would hear ever nope 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 but here we are same throw as dad bod whatever that means yeah i i don't know but she yeah she's clearly not in love with her husband anymore. Mm-hmm. I I don't like Johnny anymore. <laughs> I know. I yeah. Know. Yeah. So you, that that reminded me of that. And but while she's trying to talk to the mothers, Froggy meet see some of the kids from his Sunday school class, but they ignore him because disabilities. Right. So he just kind of resorts to muttering some verses under his breath. If you if you look those up too, they're uh, uh, veiled threats. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah this kid knows his Bible all too well. Uh huh. He's referencing all the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. god. So it like the the egg hunt starts and Brother Shepherd comes out and he gathers all the kids to the starting line and the parents are looking on at a distance and he's giving like this little speech about how like the real prize is the love Jesus has for all of you except you froggy just kidding it's important that everyone here has fun today we don't want anyone to get hurt and I'm like whoa whoa brother you you don't just single out a kid who clearly has something going on and be like, oh, yeah, just kidding. No. You're... No, you don't. What a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, You're he's, the he's... leader of your flock and you do something like this? <sighs> so the scary part is, I'm not so sure that wasn't Harold himself talking. That's the scary part. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, it's very clear that Brother Shepherd is kind of Harold's author avatar, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... So the egg hunt starts, and five minutes later, some of the kids from Sunday school are taunting Froggy over his poor motor skills. Like, he's dropping eggs, and he's tripping over his feet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (sighs) Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell the actor that they got to play Froggy is legit disabled or if he had a really good coach. Right. I don't know, but I was impressed either way. He's yeah. the best thing about the film. Yeah. So, like, his mom looks on and sees that something's wrong, and so she makes her way onto the field and pushes some of the kids over. Like, their mothers are not happy, and they start fighting with her. And while all this is going on, the kids just kind of stop and look at the parents fighting. And Froggy seizes this opportunity and gathers up all the eggs. But then Brother Shepherd intervenes and is punched in the mouth by Mary. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone is shocked about what happens and they just kind of stop for a moment. The mothers just kind of take 
take Brother Shepherd away for some first day, and Mary's like, yeah, Froggy, we're going home. But I should point out, this entire sequence is full-on catfight. I mean, there's clothes ripping, hair pulling, half the mothers wind up having their dresses just torn completely apart. This is fetishy as hell. And kids are watching, too. Yeah, what? What's it? Was this MPAA rated? No, it was not. No. Mm. No, it was not. It was not. Uh, I couldn't afford the uh, cost of getting a rating. So I don't what, know if that's actually true. Was this dub approved? Yeah, I was going to ask that. No, it was not. Not at all. The the They they said this is just too much for us. <laughs> okay. It's, I, I was going to say, if this was dub approved, I'd, I'd be very shocked at the organization. No, no, no. We're not, we're not going to slander that organization they they did not they did not approve it so yeah they warned yeah. people about it but they didn't approve it <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so they they go home and froggy is like going through what happened in his mind and you know that those intrusive thoughts just kind of build up in in him and he decides to run away and he leaves a note on his bed that says Matthew seventeen fifteen, which I looked it up and it says, Lord, have pity on my son, for he is a lunatic, and suffers severely. Often he falls into fire and often into water. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He Robbie hates has, himself. Yeah. He's got some serious self-esteem issues. and yeah. And on the back, he just writes, My Special Spot, which we'll get to eventually. But he slips out from from the house, and he gets on his bike and rides over to his spot. And all this time, Mom is taking a nap on the couch. So Froggy ends up going to this cave up in the mountains. That's kind of like his like his getaway spot, his safe space, what have you. And you can tell he's been there several times because there's like markings on the wall that's in his handwriting and there are some personal objects of his. So like he takes out some like some books that he has there and as well as the lunchbox he brought with him. But as soon as he enters, all these rocks and dirt fall and they block the opening, trapping him. Of course. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad he decided not to go 127 hours on this. <laughs> oh, no. No, we're... Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, we're not doing 127 hours. Yeah. You know, I've read the book that movie is based on, and it's kind of amazing how little was actually changed from what really happened. It was a case where the real story was just too interesting not to uh, just film it as is. Because it's, it, it's a great book, and it's a hell of a movie. But anyway, getting back to yeah. this film, because I don't want to talk about another good movie. Right. Yeah. Well, like a- after the scene where Froggy gets trapped, they cut back to the supposed immigrant, but not really thread. And, you know, that, that kind of goes nowhere. It-, it gets to evening. Okay. When we get back to this thread, mom wakes up and. She slept past her phone alarm, like, hours past. And she's like, oh, shit, better get dinner on the table, but not, obviously, not in those terms. She actually says, point blank, wow, I shouldn't have taken so much Ambien. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> so she she's calling Froggy for dinner at the bottom of the stairs, and you know, after not hearing anything from him, she goes upstairs and knocks on his bedroom door a few times and be like, Froggy, you you okay? You in there? And then she opens the door and surprise, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She she finds the note on, on the bed. She doesn't read the verse. She just sees my special spot or whatever. And she runs downstairs and finds that his bike is missing. So frantic, she like get, gets in the car and she tries calling her husband, but keeps getting voicemail. Because, of course. And yeah. she... Yeah. Yeah, she arrives at that spot in the mountains and uh, sees the bike outside the block cave. And, you know, it, as any concerned parent would be, she's thinking the worst. And she's calling 911 and starts digging, trying her best to dig him out while calling her husband, trying to get him to answer. And at that point, they they just cut back to uh, the date at the border. <laughs> <sighs> oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, this film did not uh, understand a tonal shift well. No, no. Also, why was the music playing at On the Border, Little Spanish Flea? And, like, that's the only song that we hear in the background. Yeah, and I think it ends at one point and just repeats. Uh-huh. Yeah, seriously. It, it's kind of like, you know programming your jukebox to keep playing what's new pussycat over and over again have you ever have you seen that meme where uh, uh i think thomas you might have posted one on the uh, pixels and reels board uh that meme where you make a sex playlist is just one song over and over and over and over that that was mason that was mason yeah yeah he posted end of line by uh daft punk yeah but Admittedly yeah. not the worst. Admittedly not the worst. No. Sex with importance. Um no, but yeah, that that's what that reminds me of. Just Spanish flea over and over and over again. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> Continue. So once we get back to the uh you know, to our to this thread, the fire department and the rescue team are there and they're digging their way through. But at this point it's dark outside. And while, like, inside the cave, we see Froggy is, like, kind of, like, beside himself at, at this point because he doesn't know if he's going to get out. And then an angel shows up. Mm, an actual honest-to-God angel. Played by none other than Harold himself. Subtle. Yeah. So we have a very ragged, frightening-looking, demonic-looking angel. The sad thing... Is I don't think he used uh, that much prosthetics or makeup to, yeah. for himself. So that's how he really looks. Yeah. Rest in peace, Harold, but man. <laughs> ugly, ugly guy. Yeah, it's like they show his face at first, and then like the rest of the time you see him, he's shot from the back. Kind of like those old uh, re religious serials where they never showed the face of Jesus. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure his face would have scared off more than enough uh, people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
the angel is like, hey, Froggy, hey, I know you're down right now, but just remember some of these proverbs, like Proverbs 16, 27. A scoundrel is a furnace of evil, and on his lips there is a scorching fire. <laughs> and Proverbs 29, 7, where where it says, The just man has a care for the rights of the poor. The wicked man has no such concern. Jesus. This gets weird. Oh, and then God. he's like, oh yeah, and then Sirach 16, 12. Great as his mercy is his punishment. He judges men equal <laughs> to his deeds. Which at this point, I'm pretty sure the angel is like, hey, Froggy, I know it sucks right now, but your friends are going to be real sorry later on. Yeah. Yeah, because when he does get out of the cave, he starts cackling very loudly. Oh, God. Yeah. And, yeah, the angel is like, Froggy, keep these verses in mind the next time those kids pick on you. And he starts digging away the debris to create a wide enough opening. Wow. While this is going on, the dad shows up and apologizes to his wife. He's like, I couldn't get away soon enough. The client wanted me to oversee some contracts signed, but I was able to slip away into the bathroom for a little bit. That's when I got your messages and became worried. I saw in that moment that I put work before my family and before God. I promise I'll never make that mistake again. Wow. Yeah. And the debris, the hole in the debris opens up and Froggy escapes. And it, it's at this point we get, you know, the touching family moment where they all hug. And this derelict just shows up. They call him Old Josh also played by Harold, and he stops by to give the family, like, a verse to, like, he just ramble, like, gives this verse right out of nowhere, and it, looking upon it, it doesn't really correlate to what's going on. He's like, y you know, Exodus 8-2 is, you know, th this is meaningful stuff right here, and that's, uh, Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. If you know your movie references, Magnolia. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I choose to believe that's a coincidence. I don't believe there's a chance in hell Harold has seen Magnolia, so... <laughs> Yeah, but the coincidence is just too... It's too weird. It, Especially since, yeah. you know, the films that Harold is trying to copy are shitty magnolias. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But, like, while this is going on, Froggy just kind of smiles at this, but his parents are confused. Meaning, like, it led me to think that his parents nicknamed him Froggy after that verse. Yeah. But... But my headcanon isn't exactly precise. Yeah. You know, it's like you have this touching reunion, but that's not the last that we hear of uh, Froggy and Friends. Because this makes the, the news, like the newspaper the next day. Yeah. And so, like, as part of his sermon at the, at the Mass, uh, Brother Shepherd asks Froggy about the whole ordeal. And... Froggy's like, well, it, it was kind of like how the 
like the resurrection, how like I was trapped and buried and then all of a sudden a miracle happened. And then he gives the one verse in like this moment of inspiration porn tries to sum it all up where it where it's Luke 24 verses 11 through 12. But their story seemed like nonsense and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, bent down and saw the burial cloths alone. Then he went home amazed at what happened. Yes. And then Froggy is like, yes, what happened to me may sound utterly strange, but I swear it all happened. It's an Easter miracle. I may not be the best in athletics or know when I'm allowed to speak or any of that. But what I do know is that God loves me and all of my differences. If oh my. he can do it, why can't you? <sighs> Money shot. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It God bless everyone. Yeah, subtlety yeah. is not the name of the game here. God. Wow. And and then it just kind of ends. Like, there's there's no resolution about, like, the father learning that his wife punched Brother Shepard no. in the face, or even any, like, reprimanding from the priest, or even, like, her going to confession, be like, yo, I'm, I'm sorry. Nope. It just ends. Yeah, it that just ends. That just ends. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't say the same about the thread that I had to take notes on. <laughs> oh God, the thread I had to take notes on. See, I got the uh, I got the atheist conversion plot. Do y'all want to hear about that? Yes, yeah. please. Okay, saving the. Well, it's not worse than Froggy, or well, honestly, I don't know, hell if I know who can even decide what the worst is. <sighs> Mine focuses on. The stories of Evan Staybridge and Hope Dawn. Um, Hope Dawn. Hope Dawn. That is the name of uh, of the love interest in this movie. And oh, and she's being uh, courted by a man named Jason Good. So go figure. Subtlety is not the case. The movie, uh, our atheist conversion plot focuses on Evan Staybridge, a guy who is driving really fast trying to get through town and by the way i'm not legally allowed to say the name of the actor that played him in this movie because he has sued to take his name off the film but i will say that if you're familiar with i am number four and magic mike and uh alex, alex writer's yeah stormbreaker right you might know who and beastly you might know who i'm talking about he is this uh, rich guy who is on the run from something. It's never made explicitly clear what, but man, does he love to flick a lighter and laugh when he looks at it. There are all kinds of hints that this guy is an arsonist. He's made it clear that he's on the run, that he's trying to get out, that he's trying to get out of his old life, and his, uh, he crashes his car uh, into a tree in the middle of this and finds himself trapped in mountain Ridge. And, uh, his name is Evan Staybridge, Evan Staybridge. That's a, that's a, that's a name people go by. And right from the moment that he arrives in town, he hates everybody. He yells at everybody. He's mean to everybody. And he's especially mean to poor hope Dawn, who, uh, works as a uh, mechanic at the auto body shop that he's uh, trying to have 
his car repaired at. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's not your traditional flowery soft girl. She's a mechanic. Um, the actress that plays the part, by the way, is so clearly more correctly cast as a mechanic than she is, you know, the traditional Christian heroine. But she's a mechanic uh, who operates a Christian mechanic shop. How, yes. How how on earth does that work? <laughs> like, does she fill up? Like the does she replace the coolant with holy water or something? <laughs> they bless all the cars as they're fixing them. They believe that cars are evidence of God's love for mankind. Wow. The, they the, I there's just, crosses all over there's more crosses than tires in the shop. I just remember the logo, which is a cross made out of two uh, two um um wrenches. You know, tire irons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so she operates this, and they fight the entire movie. They fight. They spend the entire movie fighting. Evan spends his entire thread of the movie just trying to kill time. He finds he finds a hotel room, and out of nowhere, he notices a cross on the wall at the motel, and so he starts screaming at the uh, hotel clerk, "There is no God! Haven't you ever read Dawkins?" You know, and just like screams it at him. And he's so mean, but everybody in town likes him. That's For the weird some thing. Reason. Everybody in town acts as if he's the nicest guy. Meanwhile, he calls them hicks. He calls them rednecks. He calls them stupid. He uh, goes into a li- he goes into the liquor store and tries to request this fine wine, only to be told that all they sell is Arbor Mist and Boone's Farm. <laughs> I've been in I've been in a small town liquor store. They have a a superb wine selection. I mean, he, this guy is unbearable, and he spends the entire movie examining the town. And I get the feeling that there's a subtle plot going on that Harold's not quite telling us, which is that Evan Stabridge seems to be sizing up the town for a big score, <laughs> because there's also a thread going on on about how oh there's going to be a mayoral election going on. And at the same time that his thread is going through the movie, Hope is being courted by um, the local Christian bookstore owner, uh, Jason Good. And Jason likes Hope so much, he's so in love with her, but almost from the minute that Evan shows up in town, everybody starts telling him, dude, you need to let it go. Her true love has finally arrived, and it's not you. Like, the moment Evan Stabridge shows up in town, everybody decides, oh, this is the man she's meant to be with. Everybody decides it. Hope doesn't even seem to like him for the record, but everybody in town decides this for her. This is a thing that happens. So, you know, and what I love about Jason is as the movie goes on, you start to realize that he's the voice of reason because he's the one, he's the only person in town who points out, wow, this guy is horrible. This guy is abusive. This guy is awful. And finally his whole thread climaxes at a diner where he, tries one last time to win Hope over, but even she's starting to fall for Evan, uh, who, by the way, has just dined and dashed. <laughs> of course. And she's and she's like, but he's a risk taker, and I like risk takers, and I want something new, and I think I can change him. I think I can fix him. Ew. And Jason finally snaps, and he gives this long speech about how they're too loving, they're too forgiving, they put up with too much, and this isn't being Christian, this is being... This is just being foolish is what this is. Yeah. And and so he's like, you're all, you know, you're not 
you're not thinking and you're just you're, you're acting according to, to some lunatic ideas and if you would really stop and understand what being christian is it's loving but it's not it's not being foolish it's about having some kind of standards and about giving and he also snaps and points out that nobody in town has ever given to anybody who is actually in need he points out that all they're ever concerned about is their faith as an idea of, oh, we're so good, we're so proud, we're so above everybody else. I mean, it's this long, it feels like the speech goes on for 10 minutes. I clocked it, it's only seven. Ugh. But he calls everybody in town out. He's like, you're, you're bigots, you're hateful, you're mean, and you're too quick to embrace it. And the only reason you like this guy is because he's handsome. I mean, it's just, basically it's this long deconstruction of the entire film. And the town's response is to pack up all of his belongings in one night, deposit them on the edge of town, and tell him he is banned from town, and they drive him out. And this is treated as a heartwarming moment in the movie. <laughs> Christian-like. Mm -hmm. Yes. He, yes. And in the, then... In the historical medieval sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then, But Evan Stabridge's plot has to build to something. I mean, as I said, the movie keeps hinting... One of the big threads that that I, that we see is we get a long montage of him walking around abandoned buildings and just looking at them, like and it's all set. It's set to it's an Amy Grant song I think that plays behind it, as he's like knocking on the wood, examining it. We see him flicking his lighter a few times as he's walking through these buildings. I mean, you really get the sense this guy is seriously sexually attracted to fire, and then at the uh end. Finally, at the end, he has his conversion moment. And what happens is he's gotten horribly drunk on Boone's Farm in Arbor Mist. He's wandering through town, and all of a sudden, he's about to walk out into an unusually, bizarrely heavily trafficked street. I mean, I'm telling you, this street is just wall-to-wall -wall traffic at 1 a.m. Yeah. And that's when old Josh pulls him back and steps into traffic himself and dies. Uh. And by the way, this is by the way, this seems to happen before he shows up to uh, show up at the uh, site and give the uh, speech. You know, so Evan goes through this moment. And seriously, the way that the scene is shot, if you kind of examine it, it almost feels like uh, Staybridge pushes him into traffic. Yeah, like, seriously, it's ambiguously shot. It's really badly edited, and I swear, the uh, the music that's playing behind it, by the way, is so ill-timed, because it's like this warm, fuzzy song. By the way, when you get right down to it, there's really no clear evidence that um, anything about this plot that I'm describing needed to be in the film. Yeah. I mean, it's ostensibly the romance plot, but do you ever really sense that there's any sense of romance to it? No. 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 I mean, you don't. But anyway, after he has this moment where he sees the old man die in traffic, that's what makes him decide, okay, I'm going to become a Christian. And so he shows up at the church service the next morning. He demands forgiveness from everybody for how horrible he's been. And their whole response is, we don't really care. We liked you anyway. What? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, asks uh, he asks Hope to marry him. She says yes, and she agrees to give up her business because she realizes now that being a mechanic isn't uh, her place in the world. 
And so she sells it to uh, Evan for a dollar. Because, because we have to have that scene in there. So now Evan has his own business. And he decides to change his name from Evan Stabridge to Evan Freeman. Because he is now free of his sins. Though the last shot, though the last time that we see him, he's staring at his lighter, licking his lips. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the, that's the, the thread of this movie. And, and y'all been asking, what about Christian basketball? Well, there's a lengthy, there's, I kid you not, a 10-minute scene before the credits of everybody in town playing basketball on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh God! It's uh, saving Christmas, but with sports. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, and so every and so everybody's playing basketball, and it doesn't seem like anybody who, who's playing it has ever played basketball before, because there's tackles, there's uh, you, you know there's yeah. air horns being blown in people's ears, there's a general sense of frivolity and fun and laughter and. Oh my god, this movie is so... Like, they were one step away from dressing up in tuxedos and tossing the pigskin around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, in the background, there's a double dutch tournament going on. There's War Room. Um, yeah. You know, and it this sequence just goes on and on and on. And meanwhile, in the background, there's just... There's Easter carols being sung. Because those exist. Yeah, and they're just basically Christmas carols with Easter lyrics. <laughs> I don't I don't know. And then the movie ends on a shot of a dog barking at the sky. Because God 30, is a dog. That We get a 30-second shot of a dog barking at the sky, and then it all fades to purple. To purple. And and that's the movie. Wee. Oh Wee. <laughs> that was Easter Sunday. Is would y'all say there's anything redeemable about this movie? No, no, no. There's one shot in this. There is one thing in this movie that I do like, mm-hmm. and that is we do get the uh, we do get Brother Shepherd's introduction to uh, the service, and he does have some lovely words. And in it, he says, "I just want y'all to know that it's been a fun ride for me. It's been fun for these last few years getting to tell these stories." And getting to speak and getting to lay out this long epic saga. But now it's come to an end and I've got to move on and I've got to do something else with my time. Because you can only, you can only, you can only hit a, you can only hit a, a beat for so long before everyone gets tired of it. And that's kind of where he finds himself, you know? Dang. So with that, he retires. Rather prescient. Yeah, it is. It does feel like it does feel very much like Harold knew this was going to be his last film. And he does briefly break the fourth wall to speak to the audience to just say, hey, I hope it was fun. I hope it was fun. He thanks some of the people that have helped him along the way. People with names like Albert, Amanda, Will, Thomas, Ryan, another Albert, Nathan. And he thanks them for their help. And he apologizes for anybody that he left out, but he wants to, th- but he thanks them for their help through the, through this project. And he, ha- he says that it was fun and that's, that's his response to it. And, uh, as for what he, 
you know, and at the end of it, someone as he's leaving the church, someone asks him, so what will you do now? And he says, you know, maybe I'll explore territories that haven't been explored yet. Things that haven't happened. Maybe I'll talk about them next time I I speak in public. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a lovely moment. It's a lovely moment. But the the rest of the movie is just absolutely batshit insane. This movie is just there's no point in this movie that ever makes sense. No. The montages upon montages upon montages are too much. It's it's very ugly. It's not an attractive looking movie. Um, it's a beautiful location that it was set in, but he shoots it with an eye that almost makes you feel like he hated the town and had some grudge against it. Yeah, he gets no credit for the natural beauty. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, for the record, in real life, he hated the town and he had a serious grudge against it. Well, there you go. This is a bad movie. This is a really bad movie. It's hard to find. Mm-hmm. Would y'all recommend seeking it out? Uh, <sighs> maybe to watch once. Maybe just for the, you know, for the fact that it's his last film. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, if you find it on eBay and it's like... I don't know, going for two, three hundred dollars, I wouldn't bother. Yeah, if you're in one of the towns that it's playing and you stumble into it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. If anything, I'm I'm just gonna keep keep my screener copy and mm-hmm. you know tell my friends about it, and they're like, Thomas, you can't be serious, and I'll be like, <laughs> Oh, watch me, watch me, watch you. <laughs> What 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 a world! What a world! Um, yeah, we will we will be back on more serious ground next week. But to everybody who's been listening, do y'all have any final thoughts? I'm gonna miss Harold. Yeah, we will too. It was it was fun keeping contact with him and this weird journey that uh, we've been on with him. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but all good things must come to an end. Yes. But given that he was a bad thing, uh, maybe not necessarily. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, jeez. In memoriam, sir. In, in memoriam. Rest in rest in peace. <laughs> Pieces, more or less. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, he did die in the fire, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he died in a heart attack, but the fire uh, eviscerated his remains. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Closing time Open all the doors And let you out Into the world Closing time Turn all of the lights on Over every boy And every girl Closing time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey Or beer Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here I know who I want to take me home I know who I want to take me home I know who I want to take me home Take me you will be from 
part of me feels like the uh, like next year if we did do one more movie it would need to be our b movie avengers yeah yeah all all of the characters uh from harold's films uh in one film coming together no no we wouldn't we wouldn't do our universe we would do the b movie characters from this universe so i'm Mm -hmm. talking i'm talking troll to the room uh oh Birdemic. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. A talking cat. Crossed them all over. For the record, uh, Duffy's the uh, Nick Fury of this universe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're probably all wondering why I brought you here today. For the record, we can't forget that Eric Roberts was actually in The Dark Knight. By the way, I can talk to you all only once, so... <laughs> Goodbye. Damn the rules. <laughs> I don't make them. <laughs> <laughs>